0: Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners, with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org.
1: Welcome to the 2022 edition of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. In this episode 281, we visit with M. Lund, author of The Boy with the Bird in His Chest, a heartbreaking yet hopeful novel about the things that make us unique. The Boy with the Bird in His Chest grapples with the fear, depression, and feelings of isolation that come with believing that we will never be loved, let alone accepted for who we truly are, and learning to live fully and openly regardless. Andrew Sean Greer, Pulitzer Prize winning author of Less, had this to say about the book. Lund has created a fable for our age, a modern coming of age full of love, desperation, heartache, and magic. An honest celebration of life and everything we need right now in a book. Before we jump into the uninterrupted interview today, I'd like to thank you for being here. We are grateful for your presence and uh, really appreciate your time Join us here on the podcast. I'm your host, Landis Wade. I'm a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories. And if you run out of things to do one day, you can check me out at uh, landiswade.com. Find out more about uh, me and uh, my writing. Speaking of writing, shameless plug here by the other sponsor of this podcast, which happens to be me. Uh, I have a novel coming out uh, in the spring of 2022. It's called Deadly Declarations. You can find out more about that at com. There's pre-order information there uh, for ebook and print book as well. For everything related to the podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. We've got show notes on each episode uh, with images and links. We've also got a community blog there. Uh, if you're a writer, you can submit there. We've got a lot of great content. And speaking of great content, we have a podcast newsletter called The Book Report. You can sign up at uh, com and stay up with what's going on with the podcast. And if you're interested in what I'm doing with my writing, you can go to landisway.com and sign up for my author newsletter, where I share information about my writing and upcoming novel, Deadly Declarations. But hey, we won't spam you because, frankly, that takes way too much time. One final part to consider, if you like audiobooks, check out libro.fm. And if you sign up to get audiobooks from them, use the promo code charlottereader and you might get uh, something extra. But enough of this prologue, let's get to today's episode. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Landis. Yeah, and uh, congratulations on the book that's just about to come out.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah, first of all, um, this book was different uh, from much of what I read, but I really enjoyed it. I I particularly enjoyed the cleverness of the book and uh, also the allegorical nature of it. But uh, I want to start, you know, the opening line of this book uh, starts out by saying a Java sparrow lives inside Owen's chest. And then it says his heart is pushed down so that it sits above his belly and his left lung is shoved against his sternum. And most importantly, she meaning the sparrow will die when he dies. Now, you know, Great opening lines, first of all. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you don't read that in the, in the start of most books, right? So when and how did it occur to you to put a sparrow mm-hmm. in a boy's chest as a way to demonstrate how he was going to be different?
0: Yeah, um, that's a question I've gotten a few times, and I'm never exactly sure how to answer it, just because I don't really know how ideas come to me sure. <laughs> necessarily. That's, um, fair. that's fair. Yeah, you know, I... I like to make things weird. That's that's my goal. Is to sit down and I I just when I when I sit to write, I think, can this be weirder? Can I make it odder, stranger? I like magic. I like something that's just. I like to write about things that are our world, but just a little different. Uh, and and so, has read a lot of Amy Bender at the time when I was starting this collection or this uh, book, her collection, particularly The Girl with the Flammable Skirt. And I love what she does with metaphor and allegory, and that um, the way she really takes something, makes it strange. And it's just one strange thing. It's never, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not fantasy. It's not science fiction. It's just, it's just one strange thing in our world. And she makes it real. Um, and so I was thinking a lot about that, and I was working on this novel in my. Uh, my grad program at Mills College when I was doing my MFA and I uh, originally was written in first person and I was just sort of trying to find my way into this story. And I wrote the line, you know, my name is Owen. I have a bird in my chest. She's always been there. And and from there it just sort of spiraled out as to what, what would he have to deal with (laughs) being born with something like a bird in his chest? What does their relationship look like? Um, yeah, it it's snowballed as ideas do. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's yeah. great. So, so it is, is. It is allegorical. There's hidden meaning. Uh, you know what it feels like. I think to have a physical body that's different, you know, from one's identity. But before we dive deeper into that, I'd like to talk a little bit about you know what it means to be trans. You wrote an article once where you said, when you're trans, you never know who to trust. You know, our gender identity can be hidden for years, even from ourselves, but especially from others. This means we hear our loved ones' opinions about trans people before we come out. And there's a lot of, you know, in this book, some exploration of these trust issues uh, and these fear issues, but can you sort of set the foundation a little bit for that by talking about some of your own experiences? Yeah.
0: So I'm a trans woman. Um, I've been out for some time and I, you know, I'm in my thirties. So when I came out, when I was coming to terms with my identity, the world looked different than it does today. Um, You know, I grew up in a very conservative, evangelical household. So I didn't know trans people existed. I didn't know that it was a life I could possibly live as an out trans woman. Um, And so, yeah, I I grapple with that. Who do I trust? Who even am I? (laughs) You know, when you don't have role models or examples of people like you. You don't know it's a thing that exists. You just sort of live in your head, and you you say, "I don't know what's going on" over and over again. Um, and luckily, things have changed. We have very out and successful trans people, including trans women, who are able to demonstrate a way of life that feels good and, and full of joy. Um, and so, yeah, when I when I wrote this book, I wanted to write about what it that that feeling specifically of you carry the secret inside of you, you know that you, you, or you think that maybe there's others like you maybe, but you're so afraid to share it because, cause what if they aren't like you or what if they don't accept you? Um, and yeah, I think growing up in the nineties, it was a time when trans women specifically were the butt of the joke. And so, I did live a lot of my teenage years and in my twenties just experiencing people laughing at at us, laughing at the the very nature of us. I think the article you're talking about is the one in Time magazine. Mm-hmm. Um I mentioned, you know, Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which was a huge movie. And I was, I think, twelve or thirteen when that movie came out. And the whole the whole butt of the joke is that at the end this incredibly attractive woman turns out to be a trans woman. Um, And that's it. That's that's the twist. Um, And so, yeah, I think that especially growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, when trans women were visible enough to be made fun of, but not visible enough to be successful, to experience joy. Um, I mean, there were a few of us, obviously. Um, I really wanted to capture that feeling of like, what. what's it like to hold this secret inside of you and not know how someone's re- going to react? Or, you know, in my case, know exactly how some people are going to react because mm. you watch them laugh at at the very idea of you.
1: Yeah. And, and this character, um, Owen, in the book, The Boy with the Bird in His Chest, it, at a very young age, he realizes, you know, there's something different about him because he can pull his shirt up and there's a <laughs> hole there and he can see a bird behind his ribs. Right. Yeah. And, and, it's a
0: very specific difference. That, yeah. That's yeah. Very evident. <laughs> it took so, me a little so, bit longer to figure it out.
1: Yeah. So he didn't quite, you know, he didn't really know that he was different except for that. And I think as the book progresses, he starts to realize there's some things and we'll talk a little bit about that. But, uh, it, when did you feel at some point like you had a bird in your chest or I mean, metaphorically?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think some ways I envy Owen in that though, you know, he knows instantly what the big thing is that, that makes him different. And I think it took me a long time to figure out what was different about me. I just knew I was different. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why I did. I thought maybe everyone felt that way. Um, you Know he also his mother knows, but I mean, even almost before he does because she he's he's a baby when, when Gail shows up. But you know, I think that that's something that you know, the, the way the way that both Owen knows and his mother knows, in some ways, is a gift. He doesn't have to like learn about, I mean, he learns about her and that they, they build a relationship together, but he doesn't have to learn who she is you know his mom knows so he doesn't have to ever come out to her right he comes out maybe later to friends and family and things but yeah I think you know sometimes it feels like I have a bird in my chest sometimes Mm. it's I don't know even after a while you're queer and you're trans long enough it starts to feel just regular and you start to just kind of live life Mm. too so it, it doesn't feel feel so different after a while.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned the mother and I wanted to focus on that for a minute because from the moment, um, you know, she knows that something's different about her son. uh, She wants to hide him from the world. It's an interesting idea in Owen's case, because his mother is being protective of his identity, fearing for him. If people find out, you know, about what's going on with Owen, which, is not necessarily what's happening all the time in the real world when, you know, trans individuals come out to their parents, they don't want they want they might want to protect it for different reasons, not to protect the just to protect the secret because they don't want it to come out. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Am I am I making any sense here with this line of thought?
0: Yeah, I think I think it depends on so many different factors. Um I do think depending, especially now, depending on what state you live in the United States, there are going to be a lot of parents who are worried about medical intervention. You know, Texas um, luckily just struck down this bill, but they were arguing for months about whether or not to take trans children who are supported by their parents away from their parents as a sign of abuse. So, I mean, I do think there are some real world um, connections here here to the book. I I think, you know, I live in Oregon. uh, I live in Portland, which is... I'm very fortunate. I you know the medical care here is great. I have doctors who listen to me. I have access to the medicine I need. Um, it's not really in danger unless we're talking like supply chain issues which come up. But in other states, depending on where you live, who you are, what your job is, you know, some people might still need to keep it a secret or might just not have the option even. Um, so, I, and I, I, do think too, in the book, uh, with Janice specifically, she does have reason to keep him away. You know, he, at first the doctors think that there's something else wrong with him. He's got a heart murmur potentially. And so they do, they tell her he's dying. She has to start dealing with all sorts of who she calls the army of acronyms. Right. And I was going
1: to ask you about that. <laughs> and,
0: yeah. I mean, she's got, she's got reason to believe that, that they that Owen will be taken away from her and experimented on, and and the world, the, the, you know, I took that from some real world connections that that do happen here in the United mm. States.
1: Now you talked about uh, you used the word uh, "terra" to describe the medical <laughs> forums <laughs> as a metaphor to describe what society sees, maybe in someone who's different, in the other, and how they might view Owen. And so that Terra is a definite antagonist and they want to stay away from the Terra. They want to stay away from the army of acronyms. So she's supporting him. She's hiding him. But the storyline is sort of him having to come to grips. He wants to go outside. She, she's been so protective of her son that she won't even let him outside. She's fearful that maybe the doctors will take him away and experiment on him and all this kind of thing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that you know, for a plot line, because after you've found those words, you know, there's a bird, (laughs) a bird in my chest, you had to go somewhere with the novel. So this, this is kind of a journey to some extent on Owen's part. Uh, After a decade in hiding, he decides he's going to go outside, right? And it, it then sets in motion uh, this sort of quest to hide from the army of acronyms and maybe kind of figure out who he is. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, Oh, Owen is 14 when he decides to go out, and I think, you know, there's there's a certain event, a bird flies in in the house, and it sort of just prompts him <laughs> to sort of end up wandering out after he gets his, chases his bird around the house. I think he's cooped up. He's 14. He wants to just know what the world is like. Everything he knows, he's learned from television, um, or his mom drinking wine and explaining things to him at night um so yeah he is just he's ready to go he's ready to to leave he's got that cooped up energy he also you know gail lives inside of his chest and she's cooped up too she's a bird that really her nature is to be flying um but she's she's stuck too inside his ribs so i think all that energy kind of pushes him to to travel outside and of course you know, I think I think both options are dangerous. Keeping him inside, he can't be locked up forever. That's no way to live, um, and he knows that. Uh, and then also, once he goes outside, it's dangerous. He he does encounter real world dangers, um, both because of the risk he carries with the burden of chest and the risk he he carries just being uh, visibly a visibly queer person out in the world.
1: Mm. I found it interesting that you named the bird Gail. <laughs> so, so are Gail and Owen sort of connected in some way? Uh, they're, you've given them different names, but they are connected, right?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I talked about in the book, but they, can, they sort of have a way of talking to each other that's beyond words almost or something. I, I describe it as Owen swallowing his words down to Gail and Gail whispering words up his throat. So there is a sort of internal dialogue. Uh, Gail's able to share the air with him, what what she feels in the what she feels in the air, whether it's it's a stressful situation or a happy situation. They can they can share their emotions with each other. Um so when Owen is experiencing touching a sword fern for the first time outside in the rain, he can he can pass that sensation down to Gail so that she knows what it feels like to touch that too. Yeah, they're, they're very connected. She's absolutely a part of him. The book explores it a little bit. You know, when when she dies, he dies. Mm-hmm. When he dies, she dies. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, we're going to talk more about that. But on uh, Charlotte's podcast, uh, as our listeners know, we have authors give voice to the written words by uh, reading some of their books. So you picked a section here. Anything you want to say to set it up before you read it?
0: Um, yeah, let's see. Owen is, is healing. Um, he had an accident and he's been, he's been in bed healing all summer. Um, and he has just shared, uh, with his cousin, Tennessee, that, that there's a bird who lives inside of his chest. Gail hasn't talked yet, so she's keeping quiet. Um, and yeah, he's just, again, feeling that feeling of being cooped up inside sick and trying to heal from it. Sunny afternoon, late July. Owen lay in bed and watched the leaves rustle in the wind. A seagull cod. Gail was asleep. She was lethargic most days, barely able to open her eyes. His muscles were sore from rarely climbing out of bed. A creak developed in his left rib and it whined every time he lifted his elbow. He was a rusty machine. Tennessee sat on the floor by her small table near the closet. A scarf was spread out on the table, and on top of the scarf were rocks, a couple twigs, three candles, and a beer bottle cap from the night her and Owen drank beer after she'd come out to Bob. She sat with her eyes closed. She breathed deeply. She shuffled her tarot deck, but set the deck down without choosing a card. She turned around and faced Owen. Is there something bothering you, she said. He had learned that she could be like that sometimes, just saying exactly what she was thinking asking exactly what she wanted to know. I just spent all of last year trying to float under the radar to blend in like a rock walking stick, he said. I thought I was good at staying disappeared, but those boys still saw something in me that made me stick out. I couldn't place a finger on it. Why can't people leave me alone? She scooted forward on the floor, her legs crossed. The air moved around her and it knocked the candle flames around on the table behind her. Wanting to be ignored is the best way to get noticed, she said. A walking stick isn't always focused on staying disappeared. It just looks like a stick. It never stops being who it is. It is out loud with its walking stickness. That's why punks get left alone. She tugged at the tear in her jeans and placed a place thumb under the three chains she wore around her neck. If you glow bright and stick yourself out there, then people figure there isn't much left of you to hide, and so they leave you alone a little bit. They understand that there's nothing left there for them. Now that pisses other people off, and then they are mad that you aren't like them, that you have the audacity to be different, to be holy yourself, and that can bring other bits of trouble. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Sure, but at least then you get to be who you are, even if it doesn't stop the stairs. The stairs stop bothering you, and they stop landing on you once someone thinks they've figured you out a little bit. Owen nodded. Gail stirred in his chest. They both felt that familiar feeling of being stuck in a room, in a house, and in a body. I gotta let people figure out parts of me, he said. Sure. How? Don't think, just answer. What do you want to change? I want to cut my hair. The words, words spilled out like a creek rolling over a log, falling over a ledge, off a waterfall. She stood up and clapped her hands together. The clap echoed around the small room, and the sound startled Gail. That's what I'm talking about. That's easy. She came over and grabbed his hands. Get up. Let's do it. All control left his body. He let himself be pulled from bed and into the bathroom. Before he knew it, the bathroom fan buzzed loudly, and he sat in front of the mirror, the clippers alive in his cousin's hands. How do you want it? different. His hair was longer now, growing quicker than he'd expected and touching the middle of his ears. Tennessee smiled widely. I can do different. She brought the clippers to the left side of his head and buzzed a stripe of hair around his ear. The clippers made his skull hum and the cut hair floated to the ground. She buzzed along the other ear. Then she buzzed a lane around each of those stripes. She kept going. When she was finished, both sides of his head had patches of hair clipped close to the scalp while the hair on the top and in the back was left long and shaggy. It was a loose, feral mohawk, not too long, but curls tickled tickled the back of his neck and the sides were tight to his ears. I like it, he said. I want to see, Gail whispered up to him, sending the words up his throat. I think it's time to unwrap the gauze, he said. Arms up. He lifted both his arms up and his cousin walked circles around him, pulling the gauze away from his chest. The skin under the bandage was yellow and purple like it had been pickled for two months, but his rib looked like a full rib, no crack. He put his arms down and his left rib creaked creaked quietly again. Gail leaned far forward, nearly sticking her head out between the two ribs. She doesn't recognize you, Tennessee said. He ran his fingers along the shaved sides and felt static along his arms. It's one of the first times he saw himself in the mirror.
1: Uh, That's great, Ann. Thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, The the book is beautifully written, uh, but it's also got so much, uh, as we talked about, uh, meaning in it. And A couple of things came out here about, well, maybe if you just stick yourself out there uh, and people get used to you, (laughs) then they'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was was one idea anyway, right?
0: Uh, Yeah.
1: The other idea being some people can't handle that. They can't handle the fact that somebody is different. They want everybody to be the same.
0: I think that's true, right? I think, you know, but, but what she says at the end is most important. At least then you get to be who you are. Right.
1: Yeah well speaking of uh, that uh you know every good novel has you know an antagonist to, to 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 mess with the character and and i i'm just curious about you know how you would describe the antagonist in this book is it uh it is it you know, sort of normative society in general uh or is it something else what would you say
0: i mean well there there are specific people um right there's there's a doctor specifically sure. who's looking yep. for owen yep um, and that threat is always there. Um, one of Owen's friends has a father who's who's That's definitely right. antagonist yeah. To, yeah. to Owen and and his son and and his friend. Um, and then yeah, the I think the point you're getting at is the wider <laughs> group, the army <laughs> right. of acronyms,
1: right? Exactly, <laughs> which are
0: uh, what Janice the the phrase Janice uses to describe uh, doctors, cops, um, people basically within specifically like bureauc- bureaucratic society right mm-hmm. um they're they're the strongest at city hall um they are you know the people who can take your kids away from you they are you know the the groups that have potential to do Owen harm if he were mm-hmm. to be found out yeah i think um you know and then of course owens 15, 16, 17, So he deals with bullies. He deals with, yeah, re- regular antagonists that that a teenage boy would deal with as well.
1: Talk a little bit about the settings in the book because he does. This, so he goes on a trip. He goes on a a, a journey, and uh, he kind of isn't he kind of moving east to west in the book? Uh, is that right? Uh, he ends somewhere. Somewhere at the end, he's at, he's near the ocean, right? So
0: yeah, he started ping pongs back and forth, but. Yeah, he's born in a fictional town in Montana called Morning, Montana, um, which is really uh, closely modeled af- after Missoula, Montana, where my wife is from. We go back there a lot. Um, I love the city. It just made sense t- to put him there tucked away in these mountains, in the Rockies. Um, and then when he, when he gets out of the house, he has a medical emergency, has a close call with a doctor. His mom takes him west to Puget Sound, Washington, um, which is a place close to my own heart. Um, My grandfather has property. His house is right on the sound outside of Olympia. Um, And so I spent my summers standing next to the ocean, Mm. (laughs) roaming the woods around his house. Um, Yeah, he, he does. He goes back to Montana at another point and then ends up traveling out west to the ocean he's really he's he's just drawing the water he wants to be next next to the water at all times so the ocean made sense to me for a place he would end up if, if he got to pick his place
1: yeah I, beautiful places i figured it was kind of out, out in that direction uh, i've been to missoula i've been to puget sound area they're both beautiful the water's cold, but it's beautiful. You know?
0: it's, everything's cold up you. <laughs> it,
1: it, it is. Um, so a little bit, did you have, uh, you know, oftentimes uh, authors of traditional publishers don't have any say in their book covers. Did you have any input? Uh, it looks to me like the, you know, I'm looking at the cover and it's got uh, some waves on it. And the the letters are kind of hidden behind some of the waves and then coming out. Uh almost as if they're hiding, but then trying to come forth.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm so fortunate to be with Atria, uh, books. They've really given me a lot of freedom and input as far as, you know, what the cover is going to look like. I had, I had that written into my contract just that I would have a say, um, and, and be able to put my opinion forth. Mm-hmm. And they're really, they're, they're fantastic. They're, they include me at every level for marketing, publicity, Book cover edits, all of that. Um, really, really fortunate uh, mm-hmm. to be with Melanie, who's my editor, and and the team at Atria. Um, yeah, I, I reached out to my editor early on, uh, right right after I sent kind of my last big edits for the book, and I asked, you know, if I could kind of put pitch some ideas I had for the cover. She said, of course, and so I sent her a collection of some book co- some other covers I'd seen that I really liked. Um, and then I also sent her a photo that I found of Saturn, the, the planet Saturn, that was just like this incredible photo of Saturn under UV <laughs> light with like these yeah. purples and blues and greens. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I don't know why, but this...
1: <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, Saturn
0: is not on the cover. This it book. is not on the cover. No, but I, I said, I like this. And yeah. and I also said, I, I trust book designers and, and they you know, are able to perform an art form that I, I have no talent in as far as the visual arts. And so these are just my ideas. And I was excited to see what they put forth. Um, I also, you know, I was like, seems kind of obvious that we would put a bird inside of a boy's chest on the cover. It would be cool if we didn't do that, if we leaned into some of the other themes of maybe the ocean or or nature or you know, there's some some flowers that glow. So that was another idea I had. Um, and they sent me a few covers, but we all agreed that this this was the one. I was just really, really impressed. Chelsea, the the book designer, just did such a fantastic job. And you know, it's one of those things. I'm like, yeah, I I can't really. <laughs> I'm not a visual artist, so I just <laughs> right. want to see what you do. And, and yeah, she knocked That's out. That's
1: right. That's great. Yeah, and and listeners, you can. Check that out at shortairspodcast and I've got links to uh, M's website as well. There, you can see it there too. Um, all right, a couple of writing life questions before we wrap up here. Um, the um, I, I guess I want to find out about the book itself. Uh, you know, what do you hope that uh, you know? Every every novel. This is a story, obviously. This is character driven. It's uh, they, they've got uh, Owen's got obstacles, but there are themes that you know undergird you know, most good novels like this one. And uh, what what are the, what are the, one of the themes that you might want readers to take away from with this book or something you want them to kind of come away with uh, after having read this book?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, that's always a wild question to think about because yeah. I never want to tell a reader how to read my sure. book. Um, it's like, it's like, I a,
1: it's like asking a poet what the, what the, <laughs> what their poem means. I know I'm sorry, but uh, you know, <laughs>
0: That's what I do. No, doing. no, no. You got to ask it. <laughs> I get it. I um, might not
1: get the answer. You can say I'm not going to tell you but
0: uh No, I think, you know, I hope I hope readers see the queer community in this book. I I hope they see queer joy, the happiness these characters find. Um I hope I think I suspect <laughs> some readers will will and I've heard from from readers already that they see themselves in the book, that they feel seen and portrayed, um, and that is is really my wildest dreams come true. Um, I, I hope readers see themselves on these pages. I hope um, they they feel that hope and joy of of finding a chosen family that loves him and accepts him. Um, I hope you know maybe there's some connection with the music in the book too there's a lot of music in this book yeah i just hope you know and if a reader doesn't see themselves in the book i hope they see someone they know in the book or maybe just other folks who are different from them and i hope they they find a connection to that and and find some love and joy for those people
1: yeah and and the nice thing about it is you're not there's no preaching going on here. You're, you've, you're writing a story. And so you're identifying with a character who's got, you know, he didn't, he didn't intend when he was born to have a bird in his chest. And, you, you know, he's you, the author put it there. And so, you know, he's having to deal with it every time. So you hope the reader is going to, you know, show some empathy for this character, maybe get a little bit, you know, more understanding, but as to the writing of that, um, you know, different authors have said over time, um, you know what to do with the theme. I think you know Stephen King said something about you know, you themes just kind of percolate up. You don't start out writing with a theme in mind because if you do, it will become preachy. And so how did you approach it? Did you have the same thought? I'm gonna write a good story, but I'm gonna let some of these things percolate into the into the narrative?
0: 100 percent. Yeah, I think you know, as I said, I grew up in an evangelical Christian home. Preaching is not something I'm interested in. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think, you know, for me, I just wanted to tell Owen's story as honestly and true as I could. Um, I wanted to capture the feelings of what it feels like to grow up with a secret, right? This book is really about secrets, what it feels like to carry a secret um, and to slowly maybe start to share that secret with others, those you trust. Um. Yeah, I'm not interested. There. I don't make moral judgments in my book. All my characters no no good or evil people. Right. I'm not trying to to beat anyone over the head with with what I think is right. I just wanted to tell Owen's story as honestly and and as close to. <laughs> As funny as it sounds, reality as possible. Right.
1: <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, a bird in a chest, close to reality as possible. Yeah, close, uh, close to what you get. <laughs> so, so after going through this experience of writing this book, you know, um, what did you learn about your writing process that's going to help you moving forward? You know, having written this book.
0: Yeah, I think um, my biggest lesson is just to do a little bit every day sit down and just touch the story every day, work on it when I can. Um, you know, books, books take over your life. That's, that's what happens. They, that once the story's there, that's, that's all you do. That's all you think about. And it could be really overwhelming. <laughs> you know, I'd sit down early on and be like, okay, just, you know, 300 pages to write. And I'd try to grapple with the notion of, of writing this whole thing and all the work I had to do. And I just learned I had to shove that out. Focus on the sentence in front of me, the paragraph in front of me, the the page in front of me, and you just—it's right. and Lamont, Bird by Bird, it's just a little, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> at a time, so it's finished.
1: A great, a great reference for the book you wrote, Bird by Bird, to bird write the bird. boy with the bird in his chest. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. All right, well, uh, listeners, we've been—I've been talking with M. Lund. She's the author of uh, the Boy with the Bird and his chest. Uh, it comes out February 15th. Uh, we've got uh, information in, at the show notes, podcast.com. Also, we're going to jump over to Patreon uh, in just a moment here. Uh, we're going to talk about novel writing. And in fact, we're going to talk about this idea of, uh, you know, writing a novel that challenges gender norms. If I'm saying that correctly, we're going to talk about some of that. And then, uh, you know, you can jump over there at uh, com forward slash Charlotte Rear's podcast and uh you know maybe for the cup of coffee cost a month you can get over 120 episodes uh that are exclusive on the craft and business of writing. So join us there and uh yeah look this has been a fascinating book to read a uh, very enjoyable. I love getting out of my comfort zone and reading things I'm not used to, you know and and learn, learning something and and I did um and it's it's nice when you learn it as you say and and it's not in a preachy way, right? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for having me Landis. I appreciate this been fun.
1: Well that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on.